0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds of the Z. I'm Joe McDonald. And if you're wondering, where is that beautiful intro? Well, Mr. Sean Lawler is not joining me tonight, but I am joined by a very special guest, a first time guest here on Out of Bounds, Mr. Tony Hollinsworth. Tony is my good friend from Jawing and Balling. He's the, the creator, the host, the everything of that show. Tony, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm good. How about you, mate? Yeah, this is my first time. I know Aman has done this show with you. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever done the show or if we did, maybe we did it a little bit different. I can't, no, I can't we
0: haven't, we haven't done this one. Uh, almonds doing done it twice with me. So he is a, he is a all-star, but I, I have a feeling that you were going to be almost on the same level. You've got a little bit more experience, a little bit more facial hair. So, uh, not as glorious of hair, but you know what? It's okay. I, it's
1: an audio podcast. He cut his hair. I don't know if you saw. Oh no. I have the long, luscious locks anymore. Oh No, I'm gonna I have, have to cut, cut my hair up. now. I have the best hair. I have it you all. Do. I have it all. You,
0: you do. You have the, I'm not going to lie, folks. I'm glad that it's on audio because Tony is a handsome man, and I am a fat, ugly chub. But you know what? I'm sick and tired of talking about you and I. We need to talk about the NFL. So much has happened since the last time Sean and I got together. I missed last week of drawing and balling with Tony. So this is really just kind of a encompassing of everything. We have a lot of news to go over. We want to get some thoughts from Tony and, of course, do what we do here on the podcast, which is talk, debate, argue, and ultimately agree that I'm right. So let's get to the first thing, a little bit of sad news. As we've talked about it before, Sean and I did, uh, the toxicology report came back on Dwayne Haskins, the Steelers quarterback. As we know, uh, he was trying to cross a road in Florida. He was practicing with teammates. Uh, He was hit by a garbage truck very early in the morning. The toxicology came back and showed that he was intoxicated with a blood alcohol content of 020 uh, for those of you who don't know, 0.08 is pretty much the standard in most states for legally intoxicated. So he was twice the legal limit. Now, we do know he was driving, according to his wife, and according to all records, um, his vehicle became disabled on the side of the road, whether it was a flat tire or something else. We don't know. Um, Tony, what was your reaction to this news when you first heard it today?
1: I mean, it, it sucks. Um... I mean, it sucks when anybody dies, much less the the reason being how they died. Um, now, I know a lot of people immediately probably assume that because he had a blood alcohol content of, you know, uh, what do you say? Point two. So 0.2. almost mm-hmm. almost three times the legal limit mm-hmm. that that, you know, he he was obviously intoxicated. He he could have been and he couldn't have been because you're for every ounce of alcohol that you drink, it takes an hour for your body to metabolize that. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the other difference as well is it doesn't really matter if you have a high metabolism or a slow metabolism, um, your body still processes alcohol the same. Now somebody with a slower metabolism, they will be intoxicated. It will take them longer to, break the alcohol down so it almost seems like they're kind of a lightweight because they stay Mm. drunk longer even though having a fast metabolism doesn't really affect that so we don't know he could have been drinking the night before woken up probably feel pretty coherent probably be a little bit more sobered up mentally but even Mm. then you're still going to be a little bit inebriated and i mean you have to think about it too as bad as it sounds I don't even know if I could just blame Dwayne Haskins because, I mean, I'll be honest, from the time I've started driving to now, the change in how drivers are when it comes to not paying attention as much because they're on their phones, just Mm -hmm. really just, I'll be honest, drivers now are just assholes. It's like when I was stationed in D.C., I couldn't use a turn signal. I had to just get over. I'd flip them off as I could, as I would cut them off, I would flip them off Mm -hmm. and then I would just, you know, do whatever I got to do. And I kind of wonder if it wasn't the same thing. You know, he probably did everything he was supposed to do as far as, you know, trying to probably get out of the way, opening the door. And then somebody just hits him. Like it's one of those, it's bound to happen. It's unfortunate, but it, that, that could very well be a reality. Not, not saying that, you know, Dwayne may or may not have been at fault. We'll never know because mm-hmm. you know, that, that's all basically speculation at this point. You know, obviously he got hit, but we don't know. Is it intentional? Is it not intentional? What, what was it basically?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the troubling part of it is, is everything has been established from the beginning for the most part is that he was on the side of the road. He called for assistance. His wife called or his, yeah, his wife had called the police down there and basically said, Hey, I'm worried about my husband. Can you go check on him? And he stepped out in front of a garbage truck on a highway. So again, I, I, I understand trying to get benefit of the doubt, but this is where it's really frustrating. And this is something that Sean and I have talked about numerous times uh, with the Henry Rugg situation with different situations with players. I mean, you can go back to um, Dante Stallworth, you know, the player that hit somebody crossing the road uh, when he was in Baltimore, I believe, and got uh, a year of jail time and came back into the league. Um, Why does this keep happening? I mean, we know NFL teams have car service, Ubers, Lift like this is not 25 years ago. This is way, way different. I mean, you talked about the driving of people since you started driving. I can remember when mothers against drunk driving became a thing when they would come into your school and talk to you. And then, you know, I mean, I don't know about your parents or your grandparents, but there were many stories of the towns I grew up in where it was like if the cops found you and you were drunk walking home or driving, they'd follow you home. You'd still drive, which was just as dangerous, but they'd follow you home. Like you can't do that anymore. So it is tragic. It doesn't take away from the tragedy of a 24-year-old losing his life. But it is frustrating because the NFL, for all the faults of the league, have put in safeguards to make sure that these guys can get home at any point. you, If you're a professional player in the NFL on a team, you can be in Anchorage, Alaska, and get a safe ride home. Like, I'm sorry. There, there's no excuse as to these guys putting themselves or other people in danger Again, two things can be true. He could be selfish, reckless, and immature, and it probably cost him his life. And it can also be severely tragic. Both can be true. Just because you're critical of his decision-making doesn't mean that you are hating the person. No. Like, and and that, that, that's the frustrating thing. I think that there's people, when they saw this news, they're like, well, this doesn't really matter. And it's like, well, actually, it does. This, this is how awareness happens. Like if, if a 24 year old can happen I mean, how many rookies are coming into the league? How many young guys in the league are like, no, 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 I'm, I'm fine. I, like you said, he may have woken up or whatever.
1: he's like, nah, I feel fine. I'm, I'm good, but you're not. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, it, it's one of those, it's, it's sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you don't, you, you just have to live and learn type thing. And, and unfortunately mm-hmm. this is one of those he'll never be able to learn yeah, from yeah. that type of mistake. Um. And you know, like you said, you know, there's all these preventatives in place. It, it's kind of that old phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. Yeah. You know, they the NFL could put everything in play with the exception of doing like what Jerry Jones did with Des Bryant and hey, literally, chaperones, they, yeah. literally have pay someone to chaperone them. Mm-hmm. You, there's only so much they're gonna be able to do, and it does suck. And it it definitely sucks for a lot of these kids. And I think it's I don't think it's as prevalent now as it kind of was in the old school NFL of Mm -hmm. used to a lot of these kids, they go into the NFL, they make a stupid mistake, they learn it, but they also had a lot of very, even though they were probably only, you know, four or five, hell, they may have even been 10 years older than these guys maturity level. They were, you know, 10, 15 years Mm -hmm. ahead of them as far as that goes. And you don't, You don't see that as much now in the NFL. To me, it's like you still have Tom. Tom is kind of that, a little bit of an example of that, you know, of doing Mm -hmm. that, but you don't have these kind of old school, you know, the Brett Favre's, the Peyton Manning's, you know, you, you have these guys that are very selfish. Like even,
0: even players like Shannon Sharp, who's talked you know, a lot about, you know, being a, a locker room leader and, and trying to guide these young guys and stuff like that. No, you're right. I mean, we see the league getting younger, and part of that is you lose that veteran leadership in a place for a long time that happens. Like, it, it, it's really frustrating and
1: sad. Um and, and you lose a lot of that life experience, too. Like yeah. you Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's still guys that come in the league that struggled, and and you can kind of see a little bit, like, it, it shows in their maturity and their attitude on and off the field. But, yeah, you'll still see it. A lot of these kids are – they're young and dumb, and then they ask another, you know, young and dumb young person that doesn't really know life yet or is kind of figuring it out. The same time they are, and they're like, "Well, you know, hey man, if you think you're good, do it, go for it." But, yeah. yeah, it is. No,
0: exactly. Uh, let's move on to something. While frustrating, definitely not as uh, serious as the loss of life. The Washington Commanders, a a favorite of this podcast of just pooping on. uh, We are literally Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, and they are every person ever. We love to poop on them. Uh, The the Washington Commanders, (laughs) it uh, it came out that they spent $100 million buying 200 acres of land near Woodbridge, Virginia. Now, if you're wondering, wow, why is that a big deal? Um, 200 acres of land is just about enough. put in a new stadium and in case you didn't know it's not the virginia commanders it's the washington commanders so basically people are are piecing together that washington could be looking to relocate now this area that they're looking at is about 23 miles outside of the city of dc uh it's actually it gets a little bit closer to baltimore maryland if i'm not mistaken i think it's about 80 no okay the other way okay so i think they said it's about 85 miles away from richmond virginia um, but still in that area, that, that uh, DMV area where a lot of people are either Washington fans or Baltimore fans. But some people feel that this move uh, on top of everything else that the Snyder family and the Washington team has done is basically turning their backs on the city of D.C. What are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts in general on this?
1: I will say as somebody that lived in D.C. for almost five years. There's not a lot of Washington fans. I I can Mm -hmm. promise you that I, and this is coming from somebody I explored all of DC that I could, I explored Southern Maryland and for people and for the viewers that don't know how DC is set up, or if you've never been to DC think of it kind of like kind of take like a straight line and bend it to the right a little bit. So it's kind of a little bit crooked. You've got Mm -hmm. Southern Maryland at the top, you got DC in the middle and then you've got Northern Virginia at the bottom of it. Okay. And you can actually do basically a complete circle through um, 295 is the highway that goes all the way through it. You can mm-hmm. go through Southern Maryland, you can go through around DC, and you can go through Northern Virginia, all, all at the same time. And there is not a lot of Washington fans. Even the one Washington game that I went to in 2015, when Washington ended up winning the division, they, there were fans don't get me wrong they did Mm -hmm. exist i saw a lot more cowboys fans i saw panthers fans i saw giants fans a few ravens fans but they don't tend to travel that far south again for the viewers idea baltimore is about 45 minutes away from dc itself Um, and they're 23 minutes south of that And this is part of why I hated D.C. I hated D.C. mainly because of the traffic is when you're coming down. I want to say it's four ninety five, but I'm like ninety nine thousand percent sure I'm wrong because I've lived in Ohio for the last year. We'll
0: forgive you.
1: And and Texas in between there. So as you're coming down that highway, it goes from four lanes to two into Woodbridge. And Mm -hmm. I know this because it takes like. 45 minutes to go three miles to actually get into Woodbridge and Woodbridge is this now up and coming development that is actually very nice. It's very pretty, Mm -hmm. it's a great area, but it doesn't really surprise me that Washington wants to move to Northern Virginia, Mm -hmm. even though the entire DMV, not to get super political, the entire DMV is a little bit more liberal. Virginia tends to be kind of more in the middle and they Mm -hmm. flip flop between being, you know, liberal and conservative So for them, it's a little bit better of a tax break in Virginia than it would be trying to find a place in D.C. The other issue that you have in D.C., there's no place to put a new stadium. You have Mm -hmm. all of these monuments and you already have stadiums there. You have, you know, the Capitals and the Wizards, I think, share an arena, if I remember right. Um, Mm -hmm. The Nationals have their own like in this little harbor right next to the Potomac River. There's nowhere to put a stadium in the city of D.C. That's why they're in Landover right now in Maryland. Maryland also has a very high tax rate. so mm-hmm. it's it's better for them to go to Virginia and it's in a a nicer area than landover. Landover is kind of one of those it's it's very out of the way. there's not a lot near it. there's not a lot there other than Washington State.
0: Yeah, and this is where it gets tricky because they're they're it's not official yet. they're waiting you know they basically want to just have the property in possession because you can always flip property. it's always going to make money and, and all that stuff. But they're looking to possibly buy another 65 to 70 acres. And to tell you how serious this is, this is what's being reported. They're looking at a 60,000-seat dome stadium, so it can be used throughout the year, including a practice facility, an amphitheater with seats between 15 and 20,000, a small indoor music arena, high-end retail shops, bars and restaurants, and residential living. The roof would be translucent, and the stadium's facade would change colors. It would be white during the day and burgundy at night. This is not just a whim. This is not something that, like, you don't get those kind of details without. Um, to keep in mind, they do have, uh, they do own the stadium, they do own FedEx Field. Uh, it was built in, it was opened in 97, and their lease expires in 2026. So they do have a few years to build, which, of course, we know takes time, but I, I think it's still a really tough sell. Anything Washington does because they have not earned the benefit of the doubt by their fans or the NFL. Um, There was a report just the other day before this came out that NFL owners are basically counting votes to try and get Daniel Snyder out. They're trying to push him out. So this didn't say the Snyder family bought this. This said the commanders. That is telling unto itself. This is not saying that Dan and Tanya Snyder are interested in buying this. This is saying the franchise will own this. So when you put up the the bid money to buy this, you're also possessing this property to build your future stadium. Like this is all part of the long play. This is also something that, that Sean and I talked about about a month ago when I said, the Snyder's are are like building this to to sell. And Mm -hmm. this just further exemplifies the fact that they are either going to be forced to sell or be offered so much money that they're going to have to sell. Um, So I always ask this of Sean quick thumbs up thumbs down. Do you like the idea of them moving to this area or would you rather them try and figure something out in DC?
1: I like it. I gave it a thumbs up. Okay. They need a new, they need a new area, a new face. They need to redo everything anyway. The there's obviously been a lot of complaints of FedEx field. We saw last year, the fans fell through the, through the gate Um, Mm -hmm. or threw the little arm and crashed into (laughs) the Philadelphia Eagles are So in FedEx field, it's one of those, it's never been a good stadium. It's Mm -hmm. never been a big highlight. Like it wasn't even a really a big stadium, even when they were semi-decent, they liked playing in um, RFK stadium. Mm -hmm. So it was like, yeah, I think it's a better move. It's a better area. It'll kind of help bring up Northern Virginia, which seems to be kind of the better area as Southern Maryland Landover, has really kind of started to go down in the dumps, and I don't think they're really going to try as hard to save it as they are to keep the integrity of Northern Virginia.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, Okay, we need to get into some off-season stuff because 10 teams will start the year with new head coaches, which is tied for an NFL record. We know some of them. We forgot some of them. We're still in disbelief over some of them, so I'll put them here real quick. Todd Bowles taking over in Tampa Bay, Josh McDaniels taking over in Vegas, Mike McDaniel taking over in Miami, Dennis Allen taking over in New Orleans, Kevin O'Connell taking over in Minnesota, Nathaniel Hackett taking over in Denver, Matt Eberflus taking over in Chicago, Brian Dable taking over for the New York Giants, Lovey Smith taking over for the Houston Texans, and last and certainly least, Doug Peterson taking over for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Tony. My question to you, actually, I have two questions for you. Which one of those coaches do you think long-term has the most success with their current team? And also of those coaches, who do you think is the first one fired?
1: You can answer them in any order you want. Let's see. I think, honestly, fired, I, I think it's Nathaniel Hackett. And, again, I've, I've kind of said this from the beginning. Yes, he has Russ. He has a very good Denver roster. However, you're competing in one of the toughest divisions in the NFL now. You're competing with a Kansas City offense, a Kansas City team that constantly figures a way how to keep itself relevant, even after losing star players, continues mm-hmm. to find a way to keep itself at least relevant. You still have Patrick Mahomes, you still have Kelsey. And Andy Reid is going to make that offense work one way or another. It's it's going to happen. Now defense is still going to be an issue. Um, the Chargers made a lot of big offseason moves. They got you know Khalil Mack. They got J C Jackson. They already had a solid defense last year with Bosa with um, uh, James. James. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Justin Herbert. They kept all of their offensive pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, so they've they've just gotten better. The Raiders have even gone out and made big splashes. You know, think about it. They went and got Devonte Adams. They went and got Chandler Jones. You know, they they traded Yannick Ngakwe. You know, they've they've done a lot in their own with Josh McDaniels. So really, it's like he didn't he didn't do anything to really amaze me while he was with Jacksonville. You become the offensive coordinator for Green Bay. It's like, oh, he helped Green Bay get to you know three you know thirteen plus win seasons. But it's like again how much is that is you, how much of that is your head coach, how much of that is your quarterback that you have too. So it's like, I'm, I'm not going to be sold on Nathaniel Hackett for long-term. I think it was one of those, once they lost out on the Aaron thing, they said, we still have to go big. We have to get a quarterback. Otherwise we're going to look like idiots for hiring this dude because everybody's (laughs) criticizing us for hiring this guy. So we're going to go out and get Russ. Yeah. (laughs) you have a new co- a new coach with a new system, mm-hmm. a experienced quarterback, but also coming into this new system. So it's mm-hmm. like everybody's having to learn at once. So it's like mm, that first year is probably going to be rough. Okay. And I, I, mean, I think they know that, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. I mean, they were seven and 10 last year. They were a disappointing team. You know, Teddy Bridgewater couldn't stay healthy. I love Teddy, but you know, they had the pieces, you know, seven and 10 if they had some better quarterback play. I mean, they're easily a playoff team in my opinion. So Like you said, big upgrades on the team, You know, bringing back wide receivers. We don't know the situation um, that's going to happen with Russell Wilson coming into a new conference, coming into a new team. We've seen quarterbacks recently, two years in a row, win Super Bowls on new teams. Is Denver the next team to do that? Mm, I don't know because we had Bruce Arians, an established head coach. We had Sean McVay, an established head coach. Now we have Nathaniel Hackett, a first-year head coach. So that's the coach you think will get fired first. Who do you think will have the most – Long term success, and I'll, I'll say long term success three years or more. Let's
1: see. So, you said Doug Peterson, Todd Bowles, mm-hmm. Josh Kevin, McDaniels, Mike McDaniel, uh, Dennis, Kevin, Allen, Kevin, Dennis Allen. Dennis mm-hmm.
0: Allen. I mean, Giants, uh, Brian Dable, Lovie Smith, Houston, Matt Eberfleur, Chicago. I think,
1: I think Dable, and okay. I think. Mainly because now it's a you have a new era in in general manager. You have a head coach that for the most part seems like he's going to know what he's doing. They they cut a lot of their weaknesses out that they needed to get rid of. Um, the biggest question is is what are they going to do at running back and what are they going to do at quarterback? You know, with the new offensive line pieces, I'm assuming he's trying to figure out hey if i get a new offensive line is saquon our guy and we just have to figure out the quarterback or maybe he can figure out danger jones maybe he can make it work to where he's at least a decent game manager mm-hmm. out of all of them to me it's it's dable has probably the most stability lovey smith for houston don't get me wrong i love lovey I don't think it's going to happen. I think Houston's just one of those they are going to be a dumpster fire. I think Houston's ready to move off of whoever it is to potentially try to go after like a big name mm-hmm. just to see if they can do it. Dennis Allen's one of those. I kind of teetered between him and Nathaniel Hackett because I think Dennis Allen, he's going to have a little bit. I don't think as long because it's a post, you know, uh, Sean Payton era, mm-hmm. but New Orleans, New Orleans has gone out and done a lot to kind of say, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're still going to be solidified. We're still going to absolutely, be
0: yeah." Uh, they're not sitting back and waiting for Tampa Bay to storm over the division. They're 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 trying to keep up, and we saw that in the draft, and even saw it in free agency. You know, the way that they went and signed Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry to try and you know build around that team, build around Jameis.
1: And and probably the one other person I would say is maybe even. More on the hot seat even than Nathaniel Hackett would be, and I'm going to say it's Mike McDaniel, and mm-hmm. it's only because for whatever reason Tua is not allowed to struggle, Tua is not allowed to have a bad game for whatever reason. If that kid has like struggles at all, they're like Tua's is a bust, Tua is done, like he's not guilty. Down. Like give him like give him five minutes. He's had two seasons. He's been yeah. six, six times. Give him five minutes, man. Give him five- <laughs>
0: Those, those are all fair points. Um and this let me is coming you from mind. a guy
1: who can't stand Alabama quarterbacks. Like, I, yeah. I a, like, so my,
0: you, you've got a lot of room to talk there. Um, I know. I, I'm going to say the most long-term success is Josh McDaniels. I think we've seen success with guys who get fired from one job, who have mistakes, come back and go for the second job. There's a, a pretty decent history of guys being able to do that. I mean, even Bruce Arians. You know, mm-hmm. Bruce Arians, let's not forget, took over um, – for the Colts for Chuck Pagano when he got sick. I'm sorry, Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck Pagano Pagano got sick. Bruce Arians took over. He went to the Cardinals, was successful, got fired, and then went to Tampa Bay and then, you know, wins the Super Bowl. So that happens. I mean, historically, Bill Belichick, you know, go to Cleveland, you know, the Jets one day and then to New England. So I do think McDaniels, he's got the quarterback he wants. We know Derek Carr signed the big money deal. He's got a number one wide receiver. They've invested. They're in Vegas. As much as I don't like uh, Mark Davis, the owner, I think that that is kind of negligent to everything else. So I think Josh McDaniels was in that tough division. Like you said, Nathaniel Hackett in that division. But I do think that Raiders team, if they can get the wide receivers right, which they seem to have right a couple of years ago, and things kind of went by the wayside, obviously. But with Devonte Adams there and stuff now, I think that there's a chance long term he could be successful. Now, what does that mean? Maybe it's 11-6 a couple years in a row. Maybe it's a, a couple wild cards. But that's not bad. That, that's in a really competitive division, and we know how things can happen. The coach that I think is going to get fired first is to be Lovey Smith. Uh, I think Lovey could be one and done. Like you said, you alluded to the fact that Houston is a dumpster fire, which is a term we love here on the podcast, is, is a dumpster fire because the ownership is still in shambles. Uh, we do know that uh, Nick Casario, I think, had a really good draft. But we also know that the preacher man, uh, Jack Easterby, is still floating around in the organization. We don't know how much power he wields. And we know that they were big game hunting. We know that the return on Deshaun Watson is supposed to be the thing that enables this team to build up over the next couple of years. I don't know if Lovey Smith is the type of hire that gets you excited as a Houston fan for the next three to five years. Um, I like Lovey. I think he would be great matched up with a young coordinator, a young head coach. To kind of build around, kind of like what they did with Sean McVay and Wade Phillips at the Rams, I think Lovey being in Houston with one of these young gurus or you know whatever uh, makes a lot of sense, whether it's on offense or defense. But I, I just don't see it lasting because maybe Davis Moses the answer, maybe he's not. But again, of looking at this list of coaches, Jacksonville's three and fourteen. Doug Peterson comes in. They only have up to go. They can't get much worse. So Doug Peterson, we've seen as much as I don't like him and think he's an average head coach. Could they get to nine and eight, ten and seven in the next couple
1: of years? Sure. They could, you know. Yeah. But Especially with the pieces they added, I mean they, yeah. they hit their offensive line, mm-hmm. they overpaid on the wide receiver market. We all mm-hmm. know that was a stupid move. But you know, they <laughs> they went and got a former was Evan Ingram a first round pick, if I remember right, or is he a second round pick? No, uh, so he was no, a first round pick, yeah. Yeah, one of the better tight ends that you know. Mm-hmm. you know even though he's been inconsistent he's had you know what how many offensive court how many offensive mm-hmm. coordinators how many head coaches you know he's injured he's got to overcompensate for crap o-line and bad quarterback play so it's like but but i i do agree with you I, I think doug is one of those he had a he kind of benefits of the whole howie roseman thing and how howie roseman just makes shit happen how i don't how i don't know i still don't know how that man manages to like spider web a team going you know like 35 plus average for like all of their players now to where they're like rejuvenated. And we'll talk about it here in a little bit about how now they're, 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 they're they're freaking competitors again. I'm like, damn it, Philly, just stay down for a few years. Damn it. Well, well, let's
0: move into that. Let's talk about them right now because the news coming out was cornerback James Bradbury, the Pro Bowl cornerback for previously the New York giants uh, was not dealt He was cut by the Giants and quickly picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles on a one-year $10 million deal, of course. So we've talked about numerous times on the pod. $10 million doesn't mean he gets $10 million. It means he can earn up to $10 million. But we've seen the Eagles really invest in this offseason. A.J. Brown traded for. He gets a four-year $100 million deal. Uh, They bring in edge rusher Hassan Reddick for three years, $45 million. They signed James Bradbury. Uh, they signed Zach Pascal for one year, $1.5 million. They are investing. Now, we saw what they did in the draft, where they drafted Jordan Davis. They got the Kobe Dean much later in the draft, than a lot of people thought he would go. They get the center of the future, hopefully, in Cam Jurgens. All of these players are 28 and younger, and we know that they still have draft picks next year. We know that they have a young quarterback, which is what we're going to talk about here for a minute. My question to you is, with this idea and with this – Because we've seen Philly, don't forget it, it was about a decade ago that they had, you know, the dream team or, you know, maybe even more than 10 years ago. uh, And that did not work out well. But what are your thoughts on what Philly's doing? Is this the right timeline? Is it kind of, I'll, I'll give my thoughts and then I'll ask you. I think it's a little too fast because I don't think we're sure about Jalen Hurts at a quarterback. We know Philadelphia led the league in rushing last year. Part of that is because Jalen Hurts running the ball. We've seen that before. We saw it with Lamar Jackson during his MVP season where he led the league in touchdown passes and led it in passing. But we also saw that as a team, they led the league in rushing. But we also saw that doesn't sustain itself. One injury, a couple injuries here and there, all of a sudden that is gone. And I don't think that Jalen Hurts is as good of a rusher as Lamar Jackson. So I'm a little hesitant where I think a lot of people are picking Philly to win the division or at least go back to the playoffs, because this was a playoff team this past year. That I just don't think Jalen Hurts is the guy. And not that you shouldn't go get these players. It's smart to go get an A.J. Brown. It's smart to sign Hassan Reddick and, and bring in James Bradbury and all. that. So those are fine deals. But can Jalen Hurts take them to the next level? Like what are your thoughts on as a Dallas fan? Oh, it gives me shiver of saying that. Um what are your thoughts on what Philly is doing?
1: I I mean to me, I'll I'll be the first to say I think Philly will win the division next year. And I and I say that just because uh, they they have the opportunity. You know, Dallas, Dallas obviously regressed this offseason, you know, whether whether people in Dallas want to admit that or not, they, they regressed. Um, you know, the Giants again. Offensive line is still a big question. Quarterback is obviously the biggest question for them. And then you have Washington, who defensively can still be great. Mm -hmm. Offensively, there's a lot of questions because you have Terry McLaurin, you have the kid out of Penn State and Dotson, but Mm -hmm. you have Carson Wentz as your quarterback. Mm -hmm. A lot of questions. And your offensive line regressed because, yeah, Yeah. yeah, you lost Brandon Sheriff and you brought in Andrew Norwell, so basically you just traded guards with the Jags you're getting a significantly older guy that's now going into his third contract with his third team because mm-hmm. he was with Carolina for his first few years as a rookie. He's been with Jackson for the last four. So you're getting a guy that's at least 30, 31. Not mm-hmm. bad, but he's not Brandon Sheriff type material. I would have I th- loved
0: to have seen them take a lineman in the draft there. I would right. have loved to have seen them take a lineman.
1: I honestly thought they would have. It was one of those when I was looking at a lot of people's mock drafts, I could have easily seen them getting uh, Linderbaum out of Iowa mm-hmm. or um, Keyshawn Green out of Texas a and as a guard. It's like, y'all could 100% <laughs> build this offensive line to at least have something for somebody yeah. to go behind a quarterback. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is the guy. He took him to the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. and, and everybody was like, this team is going to be a dumpster fire. Jalen Hurts is not the guy. Exactly. Guilty. <laughs> And you know what? Hey, I was kind of right there with it. It's like, okay, I think they're going to be bad. I don't think they're going to go. But it was like, once I started to see them kind of play, it's like, okay, I can kind of see it working. I will give Nick Sirianni credit. The fact that they went from, they paid all this money in Carson and said, Carson's the guy, Carson's the guy, Carson's the guy. They get rid of Nick Foles. And they're like, all right, Carson is for sure the guy. And we're going to secretly draft Jalen, you know, behind his back. Um, You know, they've made him work. And, but like you said, though, They're. I think they're trying to kind of copy the Ravens as far as we're just going to do like a running back by a whole team committee. Mm Jalen's going to run, and to me, that's what I felt they needed to address. They needed to go get a running back, like trade back into the second round and get you a Kenneth Walker. You know, go get go get some type of a decent running back because to me, Miles Sanders isn't the guy. Boston Scott's not the guy, and when you have a quarterback that you know his first reaction is to run look at some of these linebackers and these defensive linemen now that are coming out of college. It's not just these big hefty dudes that are in the trenches that, you know, can just grab you. It's dudes that can run after and chase you and they can stop that run. And mm. especially even from a Dallas perspective, think about it. Who, who is probably the one person on Dallas that you would put on to cover Jalen Hurts in case he tries to escape the pike pocket. I mean,
0: that's Micah Parsons. That, Micah that's Parsons. That's who it is. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's, and you're seeing more and more linebackers like Micah that are Mm -hmm. just faster all over the damn ball everywhere. So to me, I think he's the guy I could very easily see them going 11 and six, winning the division. Um, If they don't, I'd still see 11 and six, you know, 10 and seven going into wild card again. Mm -hmm. And I think that will give a better idea of if they're going to move off of Jalen or not. I think had they done all of these moves, obviously they can't control the draft, but had they done all these Mm -hmm. moves before, Mm -hmm. I think they could have potentially even won more in the Deshaun sweepstakes. Because if I'm Deshaun looking at what they had before that, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to come to Philly either. I'd be like, absolutely not. Now, yeah. if I'm Deshaun, I'd be like, well, <laughs> I mean, easy division. <laughs> not, it's Not D&D. too shabby. Uh, not too shabby. I
0: can, make that, I can yeah. make that work. I can make it work. No, I mean, you're right. I just, I, I just think it's still a little... When We saw Baltimore draft JK Dobbins, they got made fun of, and then J.K. Dobbins comes out and it's like, oh wow, JK Dobbins, great pick, because of that running back by community thing. Like you always have to kind of add pieces and and plan for the future. You can't you have to act, you can't react. Mm-hmm. And we see that in the NFL, especially when you have a system. And it doesn't look like Philly's gonna deviate from that system, other than you know, trying to have a wide receiver and AJ Brown who will actually catch the ball, which is something Philly is not used to the last couple of years. Um a few more things we want to get into here. Uh, one big signing that happened was Jair Alexander from your favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the defensive back who missed a lot of last year with injuries signs a four-year, eighty-four million-dollar extension. A defensive back record, thirty million dollars at signing bonus, and he's actually going to make forty-two and a half million dollars between the signing of the contract and next March, which is a huge amount of money. We saw. An off season in Green Bay that we really haven't seen many teams like them have. Uh, this the only thing I could think of, and I was trying to think of like a cross sport cross thing. Is do you remember a few years ago when Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year in Toronto and then mm-hmm. was fired? Like yeah. Green Bay just had the league MVP for the second year in a row in Aaron Rodgers, another thirteen win season. They lost in the playoffs to San Francisco again. They trade Devontae Adams. They don't draft a wide receiver in the first round, even with two first round picks, whether you agree with that or not, that's fine, but they don't, you know, they do get one in the second. But what do you think of this deal? And do you like what Green Bay is doing? Do you do, I mean they're kind of they're doing what they've almost always done, which is Build, try and build a decent defense, and patch the offense together. The difference is now they don't have a a true number one receiver like a Devontae Adams. But what do you think of Green Bay and what they've been doing this offseason? And what do you think of the Jair Alexander
1: deal? I I agree. I think this is finally where we're going to see Green Bay kind of hit a wall. And I and I say that because even looking at you know take we'll say from two thousand and nine. Until now, so the last thirteen years, right? Mm-hmm. You've had Donald Driver, you've had your Michael Finley, you've had Jordy Nelson, you've had Randall Cobb, you've had uh, Devonte Adams. You know, you've you've been able to have this depth of wide receiver talent and this core that you've been able to work around, and you and you've had Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Now, mm-hmm. the biggest thing in the early years is okay, they don't have a defense. You know, he won the Super Bowl with an ex- with basically a rookie Clay Matthews. A very young and very talented BJ Raji, and a defensive veteran in Charles Woodson uh, that got converted from quarterback to safety and revitalized his career. Now you look at it, they don't have that wide receiver depth anymore. Even the wide receivers that they had are now gone. You know, you you have an old Randall Cobb, you have Alan Lazard, you got the kid from North Dakota State, which who knows? Maybe he'll I'll be see. he'll be. <laughs> Maybe. And again, you know, you've invested all of this into the defense, but it's like, they, they can't piece it all together. Like look at the years that they still had clay Matthews, like even in his prime, they had ha ha Clinton dicks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had these really talented divas, like green Bay players. And it was like, we can't put it together. We, we don't know what the issue is. We can't put it together. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think they hit a wall. I think Jair He's not bad, but it's like Green Bay to me these last few years, they got Adrian Amos as, you know, a safety in the back, which solid hire um, you have Jair Alexander. They have uh was it Kelvin King? So they've invested a lot in the secondary and the secondary was still easily getting picked apart and still giving up some of these big plays and costing them opportunities to go, And you also have to kind of look at it in the fact of they spent that money on the linebackers and the Smith brothers. And it's like, you, you had a pass rush, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. So to me, you know, I think Jair for them is a decent signing, but again, I, for really their Achilles heel, I'm going to say an average defense. And I said it the other night on uh, jawing and balling and even on bring it the, the week before I see Green Bay going nine and eight this year. I see them; they're going to lose about four more games because I think, I think now, obviously everybody knows Aaron Rodgers is going dink and dunk. Man, we he used to dink and dunk all the time, but it now your team's going to become one dimensional, and you don't have to put as many cornerbacks on just Devontae, and then leaving all these other guys open. So I, I think Green Bay sputters a little bit to me, and in a in a division where. Minnesota has always given you issues. Minnesota mm-hmm. got a little bit better. Not mm-hmm. like, not, you know, tremendously far out there better, but they got a little bit better. The Lions cool. are always just pesky mm-hmm. pains in the asses. And then the Bears, you never know what the Bears, the Bears may, the Bears may not. We, we have, yet yeah.
0: to see. I mean, Minnesota went and got one of the players that Green Bay had to cut in Zedarius Smith. You know, we thought he was going to go back to Baltimore and he didn't. Uh, and then he ends up signing with Minnesota. So they're right there. You know, the Smith brothers broken up. Preston Smith, you know, signs an extension, stays with them. Darius Smith is gone. Um, I, I like the signing because you want to reward players that you believe in. Jair Alexander, Jair Alexander is considered, you know, probably a top five cornerback in the league when he's healthy. Last year, we saw their past defense struggle when he wasn't out there, which was quite a bit, especially late in the season. I, I do wonder, though, will people... <sighs> I'm trying to think of how to say this. I think for the first time in a while, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I think people are going to give Aaron Rodgers a break. And it's not something that he gets a lot of the times. Now, granted, a lot of it is self-inflicted. He is a pretentious douchebag that a lot of people, including the two people on this uh, the <laughs> this, this show tonight, and normally uh, do not like, and a lot of that he brings on himself. But I do wonder, aside from him getting the boatload of money and all that, If people were just kind of like, yeah, we don't expect Aaron to lead the league in touchdowns. We don't expect him to, you know, like he's fine. He gets kind of like a gap year. He gets a it's okay year. Now, I think a lot of people struggle with that because of their dislike for him. But I I agree with you. I don't see. Green Bay going 13 and four, you know, maybe 12 and five, depending on what happens. But I could also see Aaron Jones catching 100 balls this year. I could see a lot of passes out of the backfield. I could see them, you know, Green Bay might be the most fascinating team in the league this year. And I say that not joking because we literally don't know what's going to happen. Like, if you were to tell me the team, that has the two-time defending NFL MVP, and I don't know if they can win 10 games, that's shocking. Like, we never would have said that about the New England Patriots. If Brady won back-to-back MVPs, we wouldn't say, hmm, can New England win 10 games this year? No matter what happened, you'd say, well, of course they can win 10 games. He's back-to-back MVP. Like, so they're so intriguing because could they go 13-4? and sure aaron rodgers is that good and he's that comfortable in the system could they go 8 and 9 and be a dumpster fire by you know their standards yeah yeah they could because <laughs> they might just not have the horses so again i like the alexander signing for him i like it for the team i just
1: i, I don't i don't know what to think of green bay I can, I can kind of see what you mean by people maybe giving him a break. Like he's not going to, he's not going to lead the league in touchdowns. He's not going to be light, in the, light it mm-hmm. up in the air. But again, like you said, though, I think, I think there are going to be people that are they're going to understand, but I don't think they're going to give Aaron Rodgers any type of a break on it because it's like you, you did this to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah. you had the opportunity, like you had the open windows, you guys had the money and you had the talent already there Mm-hmm. to build with it and you wanted to be selfish so it's like i i do see what you mean i think people will be like well green bay didn't do anything to help him it's like yeah i could easily see people too be, be like well on the other hand he didn't really do anything to help green Bay.
0: so <laughs> like, I, but yeah, there I, has to there has to be a reason if green bay offered more money to devontae adams and he said no and demanded a trade there's
1: something like, well if you remember we talked about it supposedly this deal this year mm-hmm. was not supposed to be a major cap hit so mm-hmm. that they could re-sign Devontae and so that they could go and do Devontae that they said no and he said no so it it makes me yeah. kind of wonder like and apparently Aaron knew going into it that they that Devonte hadn't been signed that there was mm-hmm. a possibility he wasn't going to come back and he still signed us so and he still like, signed
0: it yeah he wanted the money um, mm-hmm. speaking of contract issues, let's talk about a couple of players that are skipping OTAs. If, if you don't know OTAs right now, they are voluntary OTAs, organized team activities. Um, it's usually a, a quote unquote big deal when players, certain players don't show up. Um, for the most part, it's not a big deal, but there are two players who are definite absences for their teams. Uh, they both happen to be in the NFC West and they both happen to be uh, kind of jack of all trade players. It's just a different positions. Uh, Kyler Murray, the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, is staying away from the team for right now. We know why. He wants a new big deal. Uh, It's been talked about numerous times on this podcast about Kyler Murray and his antics. Uh, Then we have Debo Samuel in San Francisco, the jack-of-all-trade wide receiver weapon, you could say, for the 49ers. Um, The bigger issue with him is he seems to not want to be that jack-of-all-trades. He wants to be a pure receiver. We know why. We saw what happened with Jimmy Graham when Jimmy Graham was a, a wide receiver listed as a tight end. When it came to the franchise tag, they wanted to pay him like a tight end. He wanted paid like a wide receiver. We've seen this with other players where, if oh, well, if he does a little bit of this, if he does a little bit of that, then when negotiating time comes, San Francisco is like, well, you do run the ball. So we don't want to pay you like a pure number one wide receiver. And he's like, well, that ain't my fault. I want to be a pure number one wide receiver. My question to you, Tony, is this. It's still just OTAs. We think that both these guys could start missing the beginning of training camps, but we won't know that until July hits. For you, right now, on May 23rd, 2022, which is the bigger deal of staying away? Is it Kyler Murray or is it Debo Samuel?
1: I I think it's Kyler. Because, I mean, you think about, you know, San Francisco, they still have Brandon Ayuk, they still have George Kittle in a phenomenal tight end, and for whatever reason, Kyle Shanahan can take, like, fifth and sixth round running backs and turn them into just absolute stars for whatever reason. So it's like, to me, Debo is one of those, he's, he's going to be missed, he's going to be an impact, but not the same as Kyler. And because it's one of those, you know, we talked about it with a lot of these teams that didn't do a whole lot in free agency, who does Arizona go and get if Kyler doesn't show up? You yeah. <laughs> you can get Baker if Cleveland will trade him, because we don't know if Deshaun's gonna get suspended, if he does for how long. Are they gonna be like, hey, Baker, we're gonna keep you. Here's the keys to the team. Do what you can do, rebuild your resume, rebuild everything, and then come back <laughs> and you know, rebrand yourself and we'll trade you wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. And then it's like after that, you know, who you have what, Colt McCoy? Yeah, as the
0: backup, yeah.
1: like you Don't get me wrong, solid backup. One or two yeah, games, yeah. no big deal. I I, I can't do Colt McCoy for a whole entire season, especially if you're expecting to be in your Super Bowl bubble mm-hmm. right now. You know you lost your pass rusher on yeah. defense with Chandler Jones. You have DeAndre Hopkins, who's an all-pro now. He's not going to be there for six games, so mm-hmm. the offense may or may not sputter. Um, <laughs> did they re-sign A.J. Green? Because I think he only yeah. did it.
0: Yeah, he he's back on a one-year deal. Yeah. Okay.
1: So they have AJ Green. Mm-hmm. Um, the running back situation is a little. little, little James yeah.
0: Connor came back, but I mean, we we know that when he gets a full load, he doesn't usually hold up very well. We saw that in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. And then they did get a tight end, if I remember right, in uh
0: well Zach Ertz last year. Uh, they traded for, and then they got one uh, McBride, I believe, from UCLA in the draft. Yeah. And of course, they traded for Hollywood Brown also yeah so but we all we also don't know if he can actually be that number one guy
1: i i think he will and i think mainly because he has the chemistry with tyler i remember watching that at Oklahoma. they were they were it mm-hmm. but this was also with hollywood brown cd lamb um i think uh uh well what's his name mark andrews like mm-hmm. you you had other very, very good <laughs> talent with that Oklahoma offense when Jalen Hurts, not Jalen hurt Kyler Murray was running it. So, to me, I say it's Kyler because what what have we always preached about and what has really everybody preached about? To have the best success, you have to have a good quarterback. And a good mm-hmm. quarterback can overcome and cover up a lot of crap on your team. You know, look mm-hmm. at the year that Tom, Tom Brady's last year with the Patriots. Awful wide receiving core. Tom Brady still <laughs> taking the playoffs. Like, you, yeah. you can overcome a lot with good quarterback play.
0: I, I agree with you in, in everything that you said, but I think you're wrong. And the reason I say that you're wrong is because with the six-game suspension, we saw uh, both the GM and the head coach get extensions, that they're going to be there for a long time. We know that Kyler Murray was always a a high-risk, high-reward pick. Because of his size, because of his athleticism, he is an absolute high reward pick in what he can do on a football field with his legs and his arm. But we also know he was high risk because of his low size. And that's been his biggest issue is his size and his um, his injury history. So while I do think that they need him, I don't think for the 2022 season, it is a bigger deal than Debo because We've seen number one wide receivers. We just talked about A.J. Brown forcing his way out of Tennessee and going to Philadelphia. We've seen number one wide receivers who basically say, get me out of here now. Devontae Adams, another player we just talked about. And I think that San Francisco needs to establish in what I think is the most volatile team in the NFL Um, It was just reported today that Jimmy Garoppolo and the Shanahan's are basically working for a trade situation that will work best for both of them. They want to get him in the right position. We still don't know what Trey Lance is. Like you really need Debo Samuel. We've seen average to below average quarterbacks keep their jobs because of wide receivers insert Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, where all of a sudden, if you don't have that guy who is a safety net or is unhappy, your team can sink quick. I mean, you're talking about two teams in Arizona and San Francisco who have Super Bowl aspirations, but are at two very different stages in their team building and the way that things are done. I mean, when you look at the defense for San Francisco, Fred Warner should be healthier this year. Nick Bosa coming off an injury last year still had, I think, what, 18, 19 sacks. So he should be better. I mean, San Francisco is ready to win now. And part of that situation is Devo Samuel. I don't think anybody gives Arizona the benefit of the doubt because we've seen them two years in a row start off well and flutter at the end. Now you're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks. You're not going to have the pass rusher, like you said, Chandler Jones, who has basically led the league in sacks over the last five years combined. And it's an issue. So I actually, (laughs) believe it or not, this sounds terrible. I think Arizona needs to play hardball with Kyler here. I don't think San Francisco can afford to play hardball with DeBo, but I think Arizona should play hardball with Kyler and they really have. They've come out, they've posted stuff, you know, like basically saying, you know, we're not going to do this, we're not going to negotiate these the issues we have, stuff like this. They've almost treated him on a if you're to if you were to tear disrespect let's say Cleveland is at the top with Baker Mayfield, basically saying we want an adult in the room, all that stuff, even though I think it's warranted. I think if you go a tier below, they've basically said the same thing about Kyler Murray. Basically, like, handle it like an adult. We're not going to play these games with you. Get here and do business, and it'll all be taken care of. And he looks at it as disrespect, and they look at it as like, listen, this is the job. It's our job to build a team, not to pay you the most amount of money you want, and you need to get in here and do it. And as much as I'm not crazy about the Arizona ownership and power structure and stuff like that, they seem to be handling this in just about the best way I can imagine.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I do agree. Cause it's, it's one of those, I I've never, cause Kyler came out in his rookie years, what, 2019, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're going into year three why like this is this is what i've never understood with some of these guys that it's like okay two years in i want a massive deal why yeah why? like Tyler, you know josh allen just hit bank you know deshaun <laughs> just hit bank you know who else is about to hit bank like really really close because he came in one year before you r jackson mm-hmm. like just wait you can wait. set everything stop trying to just be like no i want to be <laughs> Right now, so what? You can come back in like you know six months and be like, "Um, guys, I want to be the I want to be the highest paid." Well, if you would have waited five seconds, (laughs) freaking had it
0: right. Uh, Well, let's finish off with one last thing—a little bit of fun here. We try and finish with fun a lot of times. Either super fun or super serious. Speaking of the Arizona Cardinals, it was announced today that they will be the in-season hard knocks team. Uh, it'll debut in November. I think they follow them about the middle of the season and do the stuff kind of like how they do. I think the Colts were the team last year. Yeah. With the all the yeah, with all of this going on, with, with we've seen the, the second half swoons of Arizona. We've seen Cliff Kingsbury. We've seen Kyler Murray. I mean, this this could be really, really interesting. But I want to ask you, Tony, thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you like it? Is there a better team you would have picked? And will you be watching it? Because me personally, I have never watched one episode of Hard Knocks.
1: I haven't either. I feel like I feel like really there's there's two teams that I would say I'd want to watch, and if they wanted to do both, I think it would be just as good. Arizona, because what are they going to do with Kyler? What's going to happen with all of that? The second one, like you said, Green Bay. How does Green Bay look? Yeah. How does Aaron Rodgers react now that he doesn't have a number one target now?
0: The middle middle of the season, Green Bay would be really interesting. Really, really interesting.
1: (laughs) Because we'll have a better idea of what direction is the team going? Is the team struggling? Are they uh, kind of about the same? Like, Mm -hmm. I saw a statistic, even without Devontae, Aaron's thrown, like, 17 touchdowns and zero interceptions. It's (laughs) like, okay, well, how many games has he been without Devontae?
0: Yeah. A
1: whole lot. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, you could say that, but he also probably had better talent at that time. It's not like, oh, he's missing, like, you know, 13 games last year, and he still put up these numbers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Now, um, I'm going to throw a wild-card team
0: out there. As much as I don't like them, I think it would be interesting. Um, The Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I would like to, you know, the internal organization, kind of we, we want the teams that are dumpster fires, that are just, you know, falling apart at the seams, and there's all these issues. And, you know, the first year without Ben Roethlisberger, you have a rookie quarterback, you have Mitch Trubisky, you have Mike Tomlin, you have this kind of older defense with these playmakers everywhere. I think that um, that aesthetic, that, that kind of team would be interesting for this because it's going to be, instead of the in-your-face drama of like a soap opera, it's more like a slow burn series where you're going to watch it. And even if maybe the most exciting things don't happen, I think it's a real in-depth look at how – Good organizations are run, you know, and if they face adversity, if it is a tough year, if Mike Tomlin does have his first losing season or, you know, if they make the switch to a rookie quarterback, kind of the reaction to that and how players are handling, you know, who steps up in a leadership void now that Ben Roethlisberger isn't there and things of that sort. So I'm fine with Arizona because that's what you want to do. You want to get eyes on the screen. But I think Pittsburgh would have been a really interesting one, just kind of going in a 180 direction.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I really hope for for Pittsburgh. Just think about it. You, it's not like you have one of these rosters where it's like you have every, you have all the pieces. You're just a quarterback away. You just got to mm-hmm. figure out. No, you're you're going to kind of be in this like middle of the pack because you you don't lose. So it's not like you're getting these high end draft picks. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a middle of the pack team, which is fine, and just see what you got. Like, okay, what if Mitch Trubisky, you know, does decently well? What if you go, you know. 11 and 6, 10 and 7, and you're a wild card (laughs) team in the AFC. You never know. And it's it's like, you know, is Kenny truly your guy? It took him five years to be the dude in college. Yeah. How long is it going to take for him to do that in the NFL?
0: Yeah, hometown hero, playing in the same stadium, all that stuff. You're absolutely right. Um, That's it for tonight's episode. I want to thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I wasn't sure if there was going to be an episode tonight, and Tony was great uh almond's mom was celebrating a birthday so he decided to you know be a good son and family man and you know sorry joe i'm not helping you out and tony's like no no i'll do it and i was like oh, crap. all right yeah tony you can come on that's fine no i'm kidding uh, i know i was the, i was the second choice wouldn't be stop it stop it stop it um but if you want to catch Tony, catch him on the All Sports, All Plays Network. Of course, he's on Wednesday nights with me doing a great job posting on jawing and balling. Again, 8 Eastern Standard Time on All Sports, All Plays. Uh, you can catch him producing shows. You can catch him on shows. Uh, go check out the schedule. Uh, make sure you check out our pods, You know our friendly pods here. Uh, Charity Stripe Commentary, our basketball pod where they're breaking down the NBA playoffs, uh, getting into the draft here soon. I know Trey and Marcus and Caleb and Sean uh, are getting excited for the draft picks. This is their favorite time of year. I think Uh, go check out tips, tailgates and takes uh, formerly a ginger's tailgate podcast where Lewis and Brendan are talking about college sports, college football. They have a new podcast coming out, talking about all the NIL deals. So make sure you go give those guys a listen and um Again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Remember, it's okay to not be okay. And everybody be safe.